Praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our study of the Bible. Here we study the Bible. We aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. By the grace of God, we've been able to do 23 books of the Bible. If you've not been able to listen to the podcast we've done straight from the book of Genesis, you can find them on our app, that's Bible In-Depth Network. Or you can also be able to go to all podcast platforms like Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. Name it, you'll find us there. And I believe the Lord shall speak to you as you listen. And uh, there's no limitation to revelation that we already say because we believe that we have the Spirit of the Lord within us. You have the Holy Spirit and he is there to reveal it to you. Whatever you need, he will speak to you. So when you read scripture, trust and open your heart. Let him speak and indeed revelation shall come to you. We are handling the book of Jeremiah. We've done 30 chapters so far today. I want us to continue with chapter 31. And how does it start? It starts by saying, at that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. These people are in captivity. They've been taken into captivity, but God has promises that he makes to them. God is speaking of the good things that shall come to them after that captivity. So here he says, I'll be the God of all the families. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Israel, when it went to find rest, the Lord appeared to him from afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Again, I will build you and you will be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. Again, you will take up your tambourines and go forth to the dances of the merrymakers. Again, you will plant the vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The planters will plant and enjoy them. Now, remember we are talking about two regions here. You're talking the northern kingdoms and you are talking the southern kingdom also. And uh, you're talking the ten tribes which took the northern kingdom, taken into captivity by Assyria. These guys were totally assimilated. They almost disappeared. That's why they are called the lost tribes. Then you have the south, you have Judah and uh, the small tribe of Benjamin who occupied the south. These are taken into captivity by Babylon. That's Nebuchadnezzar. And for them, their return is much more clear. When you go to Nehemiah, you read about their return. And it's a lot clearer and more pronounced than the northern section, which had the ten tribes. Those ones disappeared. But still, even to them, there is a promise that they'll come back and plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria, which was in the region of the north. Yeah, And it says the planters will plant and they will enjoy them. For there will be a day when the watchmen on the hills of Ephraim call out, Arise and let us go up to Zion to our Lord. For thus says the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness and shout among the chief of the nations. Proclaim and say, O Lord, save the people, the remnant of Israel. Of course, the Ephraim section is also in the northern 
tribes part occupying the north. Jeroboam, who was their king at their creation of that northern section, decided to do altars at Bethel and at Dan. And uh, their worship places he placed for his people in the north, the ten tribes, because he was afraid that if they go to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, to go and worship there, then he's losing his grip on his people. So he made a decision that uh, I'll build my places at Bethel and Dan. You guys come and worship from here. He even went ahead to do uh, statues, all frames of gods, poles, over Sherah's we, we, we read, and they started to worship them. He started to let them sin. He began their process of worshiping idols as a northern kingdom. And his fear was that they'll go and worship at Jerusalem at the temple, and he will lose his grip on them. But they want, this one speaking here saying now, even us in Ephraim, even us here in Samaria, we shall say, let's go and worship our God. Because that's now past. It caused them trouble not to go to Jerusalem to worship. Now they say they will do it. For thus says the Lord, sing for gladness. And he says, behold, I am bringing them from the north country. And I will gather them from the remote parts of the earth. Yeah, these ones were a lot more scattered. Those ten tribes, they were a lot more scattered than the people of Judah. So he says, I will bring them from the remotest parts of the earth. Among them the blind and the lame, the woman with child, and she who is in labor with child. Together, a great company, they will return here. With weeping, they will come. And by supplication, I will lead them. I will make them walk by streams of water, on a straight path in which they will not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Irrespective of how much the people of Israel suffer, and what they go through, God has never said he's not their father. That's the beauty of having a loving father. That's the beauty you and I enjoy of having God as our God. Even when we fall, God still loves you. And when you come back, he receives you. And that's key for me to know that error and sin and backsliding Bring a toll, they take a toll on me, but the grace of God is abundant that those who return are received. He still is their father. Just like Israel sinned, worshipped other gods, but God still says, you are my children. And says, hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare in the coastlands afar off, and say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him. As a shepherd keeps his flock, Israel was scattered. The northern tribes were considered Israel. They were called Israel. The southern was called Judah. So Israel, these ten lost tribes, God says he's the one who scattered them, by the way, because of their sin. They were taken as far as Asia and some as far as Africa. And they were split in such a manner. But he says that he who scattered them will gather them. Just like a shepherd gathers his flock, yeah? For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and redeemed him from the hand of him who was stronger than he. Then they will come and shout for joy on the height of Zion. And they will be radiant over the bounty 
of the Lord over the grain and the new wine and the oil and over the young and the flock and the herd. And their life will be like a watered garden and they will never languish. Again, he's giving them good promises. Then the virgin will rejoice in the dance and the young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and give them joy for their sorrow. All the sorrow that they've been going through, God says, I'll give you joy instead. Even you and me. There is that promise. Sometimes life hits you. Sometimes you go through terrible times. And you wonder whether there is still purpose left in you. God says, I will turn your sorrow into joy. And it is in full measure. Not in bits. God can get the sorrow that you've gone through and turn it into joy that you can even never remember what trouble you went through. He can erase the sorrow, history, even in memory, and give you joy. That's what he's promising to these people. And says, I will fill the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people will be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Israel is gone. They are lost. Because of their assimilation with the captivity of Assyria, they are no more. Thus says the Lord, restrain your voice from weeping and your your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord, and they will return from the land of the enemy. They shall come back. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. He's saying there is hope for your future. And today I also speak to somebody that there is hope for your future. The Lord declares that there is hope for your future. Had you lost hope? And you think you will not study enough. There is not enough money to take you through school. There is hope for your future. God tells you today that there is hope for your marriage. It might be appearing like it's dead. But God says there is hope for your future. There is hope for your family, for your children. Someone is out there and your child has gone into drugs and they feel like it's finished. You feel like they will not amount to anything. God says there is hope for that child's future. When God declares something, it will be. For the people of Israel here who have been broken down to the bone, he says there is hope for your future and your children will return to their own territory i have surely had a frame grieving you have chastised me and i was chastised like an untrained calf bring me back that i may be restored you are my god for i turned back i repented and after i was instructed i smote on my thigh i was ashamed and also humiliated because I bore the reproach of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a delightful child? Indeed, as often as I spoke against him, I certainly still remember him. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I'll surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. Set up yourselves roadmaps. Place for yourselves guideposts. Direct your mind to the highway. 
the way by which you went. Return, O virgin Israel, return to these your cities. How long will you go there and there, O faithless daughter? For the Lord has created a new thing in the earth. A woman will encompass a man, says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Once again, they'll speak this word in the land of Judah and in its cities. When I restore their fortunes, the Lord bless you. Aboard, O aboard of righteousness, O holy hill. Judah and all its cities will dwell together in it. The farmer and they will go about with the flocks, for I satisfy the weary ones and refresh one who languishes. At this I awoke and looked, and my sleep was pleasant to me. Gets up from his sleep, and he says, Indeed, I've had a fruitful night. Hmm? This has been good sleep that I've had. Yeah. Verse 27. He says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beast, as I have watched over them to pluck up, to break down, to overthrow, to destroy, and to bring disaster, so I'll watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. God watched his two sections, the one of the north and the one of the south. He watched them plundered. He watched them break down. And here he says, I'll watch them build and plant again. And this is an implication that there are tough times in life. But tough times need to let you know that good times are ahead. When you're going through a very difficult scenario or situation or circumstance in life, there's assurance for good days. Tough times will not last. Good days will come. And here Israel has it with them that yes, you are overthrown. Yes, you are broken down. Yes, you are destroyed. Yes, we witnessed your disaster. But we shall also watch you build and plant. And that's a declaration of God. In those days, they will not say again, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on, on the edge. But everyone will die for his own iniquity. Each man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth will be set on edge. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a covenant in the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Now, remember, God makes a covenant with Israel, yeah, with their fathers, yeah, that which happened when they had left Israel, when they are coming out of Israel, yeah, and God is saying, I'm going to change that. You know the reason? Probably it's not working anymore for them. Probably they, it has appeared like this is something that these people cannot comprehend well. And uh, Exodus 24, chapter 6 tells us, And Moses took half the, of the blood and put it in the basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of people and said, All that the Lord has said, and they said, All that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. 
And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you concerning all these words. Those words that were in the book of the covenant, that is the covenant, the one that he made with their fathers. And they said, We shall keep it. We shall be obedient. And to them it would be read to them because it was in a book. Now God says, I am going to make a new covenant with you, Israel and Judah. And what is that? He says, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And on their heart, I will write it. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. The other time, this was written on tablets and it would be kept in the ark of the covenant and they would get it out and read it to them in the synagogue, in the temples. They would read to them the law written and people had to hear from the priests what is being written in the law, what is being said in the law. God here is saying, I'll put it now on their heart, within them. I'll write it on their heart. This is a promise that God is making now, that it will be on your heart. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 says, For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. You have the Holy Spirit within you, and he speaks within you. He is within you. He tells you. That's why you know when you're doing something wrong. You don't have to even read it in tables to know that what you're doing is not right because the Spirit speaks to you. It is now written on your heart. Yeah? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. This is a covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. He's not saying he's removing the law. He's not saying he's removing the laws, because that's a very huge debate right now. Yeah? Was the law killed? Was it removed? If the old covenant is done away with, and the new covenant has come, God is just changing the way it happens. He says, this time it's not on tables of stones. It is in your heart. So the moral code still stands. You shall not steal. You shall not kill. You shall not commit. All that was on tables of stone. Now it is written in you. And you know it. You know it within your heart that I cannot do this to my neighbor. You know it within your heart that I cannot lie. You know it, you feel the guilt because the Spirit lives within you. This has been written in your heart. I'll put my laws into their hearts. And in their minds, I'll write them. You know it when you're doing something that is not right. So that's what God is saying. That I'll change things, a few things here. Last time, with your fathers, it was written in tables of stone for you. In this new covenant, I will put my law within you and on your heart I will write it. And he goes on and says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying, Know the Lord, 
They want big gatherings where they say, come. Now, and that's the issue that we discuss a lot here, that God can reveal his word to you. Because, yes, there is teaching. Yes, there is you sitting before a leader and they have to teach you the word. But also you need to know that you have the spirit of God within you who can reveal his word to you. Let's not underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Yeah, And here he's saying they will not teach again. Each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. You will know the Lord by default because he has written it within you. And he declares and says, For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Now, that is the beauty of this in which they are told here, Hebrews 10, 17, and their sins and iniquities are remember no more. God says and speaks of this. And this is for that covenant, yeah? For that new covenant, their sins he remembers no more. And how is that happening? When Jesus comes and dies on the cross for you and for me, the sins are washed away. There is no record now like it was in the past where God would Keep it and say, I will take you into captivity for what you've done. Right now, when you repent, when you decide to walk with Jesus, the past is cleansed away. The sin of the past is gone. There is no punishment for that of the past because you have Jesus. And when Jesus comes into your life, he makes all things new. When you repent of your sin, everything becomes new. There is no record of them that because you did something last yeah, and uh, you are waiting for your punishment two years from now. No. When you get to Jesus, when you repent, turn, completely submit your life to Jesus, he changes that and gives you a new record. That's what is being talked about here. I'll forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sins no more. That's the promise. That's the covenant. Romans chapter 11, verse 27, For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Yeah? Because it says, when you go earlier, in 11, Romans eleven twenty six, And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. He's making a promise to them that a time will come and all this shall be dealt with. God does not keep record of wrong for you. Accept Christ. What have you done? What have you done that you feel you cannot be forgiven? Accept Christ. He does not take record of you anymore. With Christ who died for your sin, the sacrifice that was done once and for all at the cross at Calvary sorted it out for us. And that is the grace of God. He had to give his one and only son for you and for me. He had to give his one and only son to die for us on the cross. And that takes away sin. The lamb who takes away the sin of the world. That which began in Genesis is taken away by Jesus. That record is gone. And now somebody is out there 
And you're guilty. You feel you're guilty because of what you did. You feel you're guilty because of some sin that you committed years ago. And even after joining the, the army of the Lord, even after joining the family of God, you still feel guilty like you've not been forgiven. I want to give you a word today that God says here, I will forgive your iniquity and your sin I will remember no more. With Christ who died for you, that sin is washed away. What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? God says, I remember it no more. By Christ who died for you, and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, that sin is in the past. God remembers it no more. So should you remember it no more. Believe and trust and have faith that you have been forgiven. God has forgiven you. By the grace of God, by the price that was paid on the cross at Calvary, God has forgiven you. Remember it no more. Just because for him he has also said, I will remember it no more. I'll forgive your iniquity. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night? Who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar? The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then the offspring of Israel also will cease from being a nation before me forever. He's saying, if you wake up one day and the sun is rebelling and the stars are rebelling and the moon is rebelling and they're not doing everything in their order and the sea is not roaring anymore, then if that fixed order is gone, then Israel also, my offspring, will cease from being a nation before me. And since then, it has always continued. The fixed order continues. The sun rises and sets. The stars are up in the sky. The seas roar. They move. The moon is always there to light the night. It implies God has been their God. He has remained there for you. He will be there for you. God still considers you. He has plans for you. He considers you. You are a nation before him. He's telling Israel here. Thus says the Lord, If the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth, he goes on and says, Searched out below, then I will also cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord. When the city will be rebuilt for the Lord, from the tower of Hananel to the corner gate, the measuring line will go out further straight ahead to the hill Garib. Then it will turn Goa and the whole valley of the dead bodies and of ashes and all the fields as far as Brook Kidron to the corner of the house gate toward the east shall be holy to the Lord. It will not be plucked up or overthrown anymore. The people of Israel have gone through a terrible time. And even when they get this message, they are going through a terrible time. But God is making promises to them and considerations to them. 
And he's saying, I love you, my people. I consider you, my people. The pain you're going through, the suffering you're going through, it will come to an end. And how God loves us, that he always gives us another opportunity. God loves us, that he always gives us his grace, which is abundant. And however much the people of Israel and Judah hurt God, did all the things they did to anger God, God still says, I'll bring you back safely. I'll consider you. And that goes all the way to us, to me and you. That with all the things we've done, with all the wickedness that has happened, God still gives us another opportunity. God still gives us, by his grace, another chance to return to him and join him. And how does he do that? He gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins. And when that happened, sin was overcome. And how do I overcome sin? I accept the one who overcame it. The one who went to the cross. And I accept him. I give him my life. I declare my life to him and say, take over, take charge. And in that way, I partake of the grace that is abundant for all. Christ came for everybody. Christ came for every single body. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. He came for everybody. Whoever, that implies everybody. Whoever believes in him. Have you believed in Christ today? Have you taken your life and surrendered it to God? Have you taken the lordship of Christ? Because that is all you need. For the one who overcame sin, you need to accept him. And then your sins shall be remembered no more. You shall walk and not grow weary. You shall run and not grow weary. You shall walk and you shall not faint because you are walking with the one who is the center of our salvation. And somebody might be out there today and you want to take the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. This is an opportunity. It's a simple thing. You just say this prayer. You join the family of Christ. And you will walk with him. And he will show you the way. He will give you a new life. The past is gone. The life of the world is gone. When you have Jesus, you have everything. Now say these words after me. Say, Dear Lord, I thank you for giving us your son to die for us on the cross. And today, I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. Walk with me. Lead me. I surrender my life to you. Amen. Thank you for that decision. And may the Lord bless you and prosper you in each and everything. We love you. And may the Lord richly bless you.